Are you looking for a gentle form of exercise that helps your physical body as well as your mental health? Look no further than Doween. You might have heard me talk about it before. It's an ancient exercise that's based off of the same knowledge as acupuncture and it includes self-massage, stretching, meditation, and gentle movements to stimulate and balance your energy. We have meridians or energy pathways running all over our body and these energy pathways are connected to our organs, the systems within our body and our emotions. So if you know, you get into the practice of knowing which energy pathways are connected to what organ, what feeling, you have a better tool at your disposal to help yourself both physically and mentally. So check out my weekly Doween class through Zoom. You can go to thefreedomfairy.com to sign up. I have packages, subscriptions, and you could just sign up one class at a time. I'm also doing a collaboration with a local sound bath practitioner. Her name is Jennifer Escalera, and she's with the Mystic Living School on Instagram. We're doing 30 minutes of Doline and 30 minutes of a sound bath. And that is happening at a local park near Pasadena, California. So if you're in the area, you can sign up for that event as well. Hello! Welcome back to another episode of Macro Magic with Michelle. I'm your host, Michelle Williams also known as The Freedom Fairy on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, everywhere on the internet you can find me. Today, we're continuing the series Medicated Michelle, and I'm going to talk about how I ended up coming off of all of these medications. So, so far, we've gone through all of my medications that I took for my mental illness. And this episode is gonna be talking specifically about that. How did I come off of those medications <coughs> prescribed collectively over the years by many different psychiatrists for my mental illnesses. I'm starting to cough. <coughs> I think it's because the story needs to come out. And I was also, I was also listening to a, <coughs> a binaural beats. <coughs> wow, the story really needs to come out, man. Oh my God, very interesting, wow. This is a somatic experience. (sighs) 
I really don't cough, people. <coughs> <coughs> wow. Sorry, friends. <coughs> Hope this won't be too hard for you guys to listen to. Whoa, people, okay, so, this is not medical advice, I'm not advising anyone to do this specifically, and of course, if you have a doctor that is willing to work with you to come off of your medications, please do that especially for benzodiazepines, especially, especially, and especially if you've been on them for quite a while. Um, but I really didn't have that option. I wanted to sit down and do the math, both for the therapists I've, I've worked with and both for, actually, the therapists I've worked with, the psychiatrists I've worked with and the nutritionist I've worked with. Just remembering how many did I see actually and how many I felt were actually helpful. Because let me tell you something, it's a small percentage. I've seen a lot of these specialists and only a couple few were helpful. So, and that kind of goes with the previous episode I talked about um, the medication that I will not name you know, I talked about how the struggle of trying to find a therapist, a psychiatrist, a nutritionist that fits with you, that you trust, that works well with you, that you feel helps you, that struggle, you don't need. <laughs> you don't need that you already have a mental health issue, that's enough of a struggle. So you don't need the struggle of working with people that are supposed to help you that instead make things worse. So listen to that episode if you wanna hear more on that. But, um, so, so yes, so I, I personally have never worked with a psychiatrist that was open to taking me off of medication. And once again, I need to do the math. How many psychiatrists did I actually work with? Off the top of my head, I wanna say, I'm just gonna say around 10 different psychiatrists I saw. Out of those 10, none of them wanted to help me come off of medication. They all had the mentality, well, you have a chemical imbalance, you need to be on these meds for the rest of your life. That's what it was. And that's what a lot of psychiatrists, that's what they think. And not just psychiatrists, but therapists also think that because like I'm, I said in previous podcast episodes, they're connected. They always have each other's backs. The therapy industry is very connected to the psychiatrist, you know? And it's very hard when you're struggling with medication, when you have a psychiatrist that basically doesn't believe you, doesn't hear you, 
and then you also have a therapist because you're talking to them about how hard it is. The therapist also doesn't believe you, you know, basically gaslights you because they're all in it together. So it's extremely difficult. I understand, girl. I, oh, please, I understand. I understand. It's very hard to get support with this specific issue. But like I said, just because I've never experienced that support doesn't mean it doesn't exist. And I can give you guys some people that I think might help you um, if, if you're looking for that. But I think, you know, my story is not uncommon. There are people who went through this. And also, if you can't find someone, well, let me also say this. I, I am also someone that can help you. I am also someone that can help you. But just by listening to this podcast episode, I don't think you should try to follow what I did in this story, you know, because I did it because I had no other options. I did it this way. Yes, it was a risk. 1000%. I admit it was a risk, but I ended up here. <laughs> so, um, obviously it was okay. It went great. It was, you know, for the best, but that doesn't mean that if you do exactly what I do, what I did, that you'll have the same result. You need to have support, whether it's from your psychiatrist, therapist, another kind of doctor, you know, another kind of health professional, whether it's from me, you need support and you need a lot of support when you go through this. This is like coming off of, this is literally coming off of drugs. It's the same thing. And I've said that before in other podcast episodes. It's literally coming off of drugs. The same way a heroin addict will come off drugs, the same way um, any other kind of drug addict or any other person who struggles with substance abuse is the same thing. You have to have support, a lot of support. And yeah, some people do do it by themselves and they're fine and it works out. But you, you don't know, you know, you just don't know. So really try to get some support before you go on this on this journey, but, um, so I, yeah, I just wanted to say that disclaimer so that, you know, people don't do things and end up <laughs> in a really bad situation. So you can go to my website, thefreedomfairy.com, if you would like my support in your journey, and you can also write me an email on my website, um, if you would like help with, you know, someone that someone else who can help you like a psychiatrist I know hey I know people I got cancer a cancer stellium in the 11th house I've got a network I know people um you know I know some good psychiatrists I know some good nutritionists I know some good therapists and I know some good macrobiotic counselors even me and other people so I acupuncturists I know herbalists I know there's many people who can help you so don't feel like you're alone but anyway, here we go. Here's a story. So the year was 2014. If you guys have been following this medicated Michelle series, the first medication I ever took for my mental illness was Prozac and that happened in 
2006. So now, the year that I came off of drugs was 2016. Um, so I had been on medication for a total of eight years. Yeah, eight years exactly. Um, before I tell you how I came off for good, I'm just going to remind you that I had attempted to come off of one medication, um, Zyprexa, in 2012. Uh, no, it was actually 2011. But I, it was wildly un unsuccessful, and um, I was not in a good place on many different levels. You can listen to that podcast episode um, called 15 Milligrams Zyprexa. So I tell you that story, and basically, you know, I had been trying to take myself, taper myself, myself off of Zyprexa on my own after years of me expressing my concerns with the effects I was experiencing to my psychiatrist, multiple psychiatrists, mind you, multiple therapists. No one listened to me. They all get gaslit me. Typical! Typical Western medicine behavior, Western thinking behavior, typical, standard. Um, and no one was listening to me. Meanwhile, I kept experiencing these side effects even worse and worse and worse. Side effects even worse. I saw no way out except for me taking, my, taking the power in my own hands and tapering myself off. And I had really, you know, really no guide, really no experience, basically following my own intuition. And um, it was not a good time. I was still on other medications, Prozac, Advan, Lamictal, um, and then some other medications for my acne, um, antibiotics. But, but uh, it all culminated cumulated, cumulated, um, in a really bad situation, a really bad, I was in a really toxic relationship with a guy, and something happened, um, and I just lost it, and because of that, I stopped taking care of myself, and I completely stopped not only Zyprexa, but I stopped taking all my other medications, and, uh, that was not a good time. So, once again, listen to my podcast episode called 15 Milligrams Zyprexa so you can find out more. So that was not a good time, you know, and I had to come clean. I had to come clean to my psychiatrist and my therapist. But, you know, it, it really was all for the better because I was able to get back on track in a way. Um... But, you know, one of the medications I took, Ativan, that's a, like I said, it's a benzodiazepine, which those are the, really the most dangerous ones. Um, when you're coming off of medication, those are the ones you have to be the most careful with. Because I'm just going to say it, some people, that's the end of their life. You feel me? And I feel like I can't really say the word because censorship is so rampant 
in social media right now, but skull and crossbones, that's what, what can happen to you um, when you stop taking benzodiazepines. So that's, that's why if you take one of those kinds of medications, super important that you have a team. I mean, regardless of what medication you're on, you have a team, but especially that one's most serious. And I didn't learn that until literally a couple months ago. So basically I could have died. Oops. <laughs> but I don't know, for whatever reason, maybe because I was younger, maybe because in the bigger scheme of things, I wasn't on it for that long. I know people who have been on medication 50 plus years for their mental illness. So in the grand scheme of things, I wasn't on, on them for very long. Um, and also maybe because, you know, I have a stronger constitution. I really don't know. The grace of God, I really don't know. But thankfully I survived. And like I said, it was kind of like a reset in a way. I was able to modify a little bit my healing journey and it ended up working out for the best. But, you know, I had to go back on medication because I really, you know, that's just what, you know, at the time, that's just, that's just uh, what I knew. And that's what I thought was best. And so fast forward to 2014, I'm out of college. I had already been out. I graduated in 2012. So by 2014, um, I had just started working at the ballet studio that I was working at for five years. Um, and also in 2014, I had a life-threatening experience with my abuser. I have a video about that. Um, you might've seen it on my YouTube channel. It was up for a while, but I took it down, uh, partly because, you know, it's a family issue. Um, and partly because my astrologer, you know, and it's a family issue, meaning like, you know, I don't, I really, I really just don't want to, I just, I just want to respect people's privacy. And even though I didn't mention the person's name, you know, I just, I just felt like I, I needed to respect their privacy. Um. And it really doesn't help either that my abuser still gaslights me to this day and she denies that it ever happened. Um, it's, a whole, it's a whole complicated story. I feel like I'm gonna cry. Um, but anyway, that's how I also became homeless. I think the story is called uh, How I Ended Up Homeless. So it was a result of that that life-threatening situation with my abuser that had been abusing me my entire life. Um, and anyway, so I, I took that video down. I might put it up on my Patreon. Um, you know, it's more private. Um, so I might do that. I actually have a couple videos that are very sensitive subject matter that I think, you know, I, I have 
used to be public, but then I privated them because that same situation, I just felt like I need to respect, you know, the other people involved. So, um, and people could say, well, Michelle, they didn't respect you, but it's like, so, so what? So just because someone disrespects me, that means I need to disrespect them? No, it doesn't mean that. <laughs> um, you know? But anyways, this is becoming a different thing. So just, um, you can sign up to my Patreon, and uh, you might see those videos up there. But anyway, so 2014, I had this basically life-changing career start. Um, then I also had this, life-threatening experience that forced me to be homeless basically um and it was just a huge time of change in my life i think it was a four tree year for me um but so so i got the job in 2000 or, um january 2014 i had the i became homeless in March 2014 and I stopped taking medication October 2014 so this was a huge year for me so what happened was when I graduated from college I had you know pretty much immediately after I graduated I checked myself into another eating disorder uh, program and this was this was the second time I was coming into a higher level of care because I had already, I had been to, I mentioned a group program that happened at night a couple of times a week. I had been going to a program like that on and off for a couple years. I, at one point I checked myself into this higher level of care um, program that I came in the morning and I left at night. It was an all day program. And then, um, so that year, you know, that last year of college was extremely difficult for me. Um, I mean, that's when I had tried to take myself off of Zyprexa. That's when, um, you know, I had that situation. And I had wanted to leave school to go into a higher level of care for my mental illness, but my my mother wouldn't allow me basically so i really struggled that last year of college a lot and i i talk about that in that um episode um 15 milligrams cyprexa that i really encourage you guys if you're in a s difficult situation with your health you need to prioritize that over anything over your school, over your work, and yes, over your family. I'm gonna say it, yes, over your family. You need to prioritize your health above all. When you're in a really critical state, you need to prioritize your health and you need to do whatever you can to help yourself get better. Because if you don't focus on your health, you're not gonna be here. How are you gonna be there for your family? How are you going to be there for school? How are you going to be there for work? You can't. What's the point? You have to focus on your health. So anyway, so I, you know, barely graduated college. Um, I think a lot of, a lot of the reason why I ended up being able to graduate is because I had a lot of the same teachers um, throughout the years and they had seen me struggle. And I think honestly, they just, 
felt for me. And they just, you know, maybe if, if I was a normal student, they would have failed me because it's like my attendance, my performance, participation, whatever. It was not up to passing. But I think because I had teachers that saw me struggle the entire time I was in college, they're just like, eh, we'll just let her pass. But I, I, I really, once again, it was a miracle. It's a miracle that I, um, that I did that. And it's like a whole thing, because I really felt bad that I didn't do better. That's a whole other episode, but. So as soon as I graduated college, um, right, right around the end of the, up until I graduated, you know, I had a situation where I passed out in class because I wasn't eating, because I had no appetite, um, because of medication, you know, because, and then I couldn't, I wasn't sleeping, I had lucid dreams, I had sleep paralysis, I had demons visiting me, I had insomnia, it's just like, I couldn't, I, I couldn't, you can't maintain that. You can't maintain it. And I passed out in dance class. I got a concussion. Um, but, but so I was thinking around that time, like, I really, I really, I really need to do something about this because I freaking passed out, you know, and I was really afraid. When am I going to pass out again? Because I wasn't expecting to pass out. And I had never passed out prior, you know, it, so I was just really concerned, like, am I going to pass out while I'm driving on the freeway? What's going to happen then? You know, and why am I working so hard to recover from my ED? Why am I trying so hard to live to just pass out on the freeway and my life has ended on the freeway? Like what? You know, I, I, and I was graduating school. So I just thought to myself, you know what? I gotta, I gotta take care of this. I gotta go back to a higher level of care and really get over this. And so I went to that higher level of care from, um, from July, 2012. And I left um, October, no, uh, November 2012. So, you know, my parents, they, it's kind of complicated, and again, I don't really want to say anything negative about my family, but I'm just going to say they did the best that they could with me, you know, with supporting me in my healing journey, um, especially my mom. But I have to say, too, I really didn't want their support because I felt so like, like they were against me. So it's like even if my parents were more supportive, more and more involved, I feel like I don't even know if I would have allowed them because even the amount that they were involved, I was very uncomfortable. But basically they thought, okay, Michelle's in a program, 
you know, they didn't really bother me too much about getting a job. I mean, they did a little bit. They didn't really, you know, they're just like, okay, she's in a program. But as soon as I got out, you know, it's like, get a job, get a job, get a job, get a job. And, um, you know, I graduated with a dance degree. <laughs> so not saying, so we all know at this point that just because you have a college degree doesn't mean you're going to get a job. And also, just because you have a degree in a certain subject doesn't mean you'll get a job with that certain subject. It's just a whole thing, but I don't think my parents really got that. I don't know if they still get that. But, um, and the other thing was, um, of course I wanted to have a job because I was living at home with my abuser. So, of course I wanted a job. Duh. <laughs> a job meant I can leave and I can be safe. But, um... The other thing too was like, I was not in a good condition that people would hire me. Like I said, I wasn't sleeping. Even though by the time I ended up leaving that higher level of care, even though my eating was more regular, it still wasn't healthy. I mean, I was still eating foods that contribute to my illness, that contribute to a chaotic energy. And people can see that, they can sense it. Even if they're not consciously aware, like, oh, she's chaotic, they just feel something is off with this person. You think they're really going to hire them? No, they're not. And the other thing, I had really bad acne. And, um, you know, so that made that I wore a lot of makeup. Um, and it didn't look good, you know. It didn't, and not saying that, um, it's just, that's part of it, you know? And it, I mean, it didn't help that my, my father let me know about that, you know? Um, and it was just very a very discouraging time. I kept on going on interviews all the time, interview, interview, never got a job. For almost two years, I went on interviews, 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 and never got a job. Um, meanwhile, I'm still on all these medications. And I told you one of my medications cost $100 every month. And that was just one medication. So it was that one medication, like I said, I was on, and that medication was Lamictal, because at the time it was new. It's a whole effed up system. I'll have to tell you about it later. When medications are new, it's a whole thing, it's a whole thing. Anyway. So yeah, Lamictal was $100, Zyprexa was, uh, I think the rest of my medications were between five and 15. Zyprexa, so Lamictal, Zyprexa, the medication I will not mention, Ativan, oh wait, not Zyprexa, I was off of Zyprexa by then, sorry. Lamictal was $100. The medication I will not name was the replacement for Zyprexa. I was between five and $15, I think. Uh, Ativan between five and fifteen dollars, and Prozac between five and fifteen dollars. I'm pretty sure. So those four medications plus all the other medications I was on for my acne, um, so six medications a month 
So $100 plus these other medications that also cost more money plus, so that was maybe like what? Let's just say like around $200 a month for my medications plus visits to the um, psychiatrist every month, which I mean, it's a whole thing, but I, I mean, yes, I still, I was still on my mother's insurance, but it still costs money the co-pays and all that stuff. And what do you call it? You know, the money you have to pay in the beginning before it's free or whatever. Free. Um, and then weekly visits. So that's the psychiatrist. Then weekly, every month, then weekly visits to the therapist. Which, at the time, at the time I was seeing this therapist that I really did not want to see, but she was working at one of the group therapy places that I was going to and she offered oh what a privilege she offered well Michelle you can come see me like individually but she doesn't take insurance so it was more expensive to see her every week and also I didn't want to see her it's a whole thing it's a whole thing so hundreds of dollars every month for me to try to upkeep. And this, friends, this is not just at this time. This was the same program, the same hundreds of dollars every month since I was 16 years old. And then on top of that, like I said, I would go to these programs way more expensive even with health insurance. And so I'm out of college. I have a college degree. My parents are like, Michelle, you need to pay for your own therapy and you need to pay for your own medications, your own psychiatric appointments. And I was like, I, with what? I don't have a freaking job. So... I guess, um, like I said, in the beginning of the year, you have to pay um, whatever, the deductibles or whatever. And then at a certain point, you're done paying for it. So then I guess technically the rest of your visits for the year are free. But at a point that ran out. And like how I was paying for my um, therapy I, it wasn't like I couldn't schedule the therapy every week because it's like, where am I going to get this money from? And yeah, I was in, I was also, be, you know, trying to become a makeup artist. So I would get a, a handful of makeup jobs a year. And then of course I try to do other things to make money, like, you know, sell things, you know, sell my clothes, you know, just sell whatever I thought had value. Um, you know, recycle, like, I really, I really um, didn't have a lot of money, so I couldn't see the therapist every week, it was random, and it's also like, how am I, if, if, a ther if a, the therapist was someone I connected with, you know, even if you have a good connection with the therapist, you have to go every week, it can't be random, you know, to heal, like, it just makes sense. 
In ballet, you don't just go to ballet randomly. If you want to get better, you have to go every week, <laughs> you know? So, um, so it was just too hard to maintain. And at the same time, um, you know, like I said, at the point, 2014, I was basically estranged from my family because of that life-threatening situation that happened to me. So even if I was really struggling with money, I really didn't want to go to them because, you know, because of that situation. Um, and I didn't make, and then even when I got my job at, as a ballet teacher, that I would just started, you know, I wasn't making that much money. So I just, and, and also, also, I was doing better, the best I had ever had mentally, I think. And, um, you know, I wasn't, um, you know, the situation with that, that guy, I think I was maybe seeing him on and off. You guys know how it is. <laughs> you guys know how it is. Watch my um, video called Boyfriends of the Zodiac. It was the Pisces. It was the Pisces. <laughs> but anyways, um, so, so I was in a much better place um, with my eating, with my mental health, in my relationships. I mean, so, so I just kind of thought to myself, like, at, oh, at, so I thought to myself, like, maybe I can talk to my psychiatrist. And, you know, I'm doing great, I'm doing great in a way, best I ever have in a way. Um, maybe I can stop taking these medications. So I told her that, and this was a new psychiatrist um, than the one I had in college. This was a new psychiatrist. And I mentioned it to her and she said, absolutely not. She said, you have a chemical imbalance. You have to take these for the rest of your life. And just by that, I was like, oh, really? I'm taking that as go ahead and go, girl. So I just said, okay. And I just never scheduled another appointment with her. And this was, this was, I think, August or September 2014 so I still had some pills I still had some pills so just by that last uh, visit to the visit to the psychiatrist um, you know with with you know my my parents in my head saying we're not going to pay for any of your therapy, your medications, your psychiatrist. With that in my mind, with me living on my own on like less than four hundred dollars, um, you know, a month that I was making. Actually, I was making a little bit more because I also was working part time for my dad's company, so I was actually making a little bit more. But my rent was four hundred dollars. My rent was four hundred dollars. I'm these medications. That's probably how much my freaking total 
to maintain that therapy medication, psychiatrist, that's as much as it was going to cost my whole entire money that I made working at, at the dance studio. So I just thought, okay. And then the last piece of it was, well, I'm doing the best I ever have. So I thought to myself, you know what? I really don't need this. I don't have the support. I don't have money. And I'm actually doing really well. So I just took it into my own hands once again to take myself off of Ativan, Lamictal, Prozac, and the medication I'm not going to name. So I still had these pills with me, you know, whatever left over from the month, you know. Um, so just with those pills that I had left, I just decided with these pills, these are going to be my last pills I'm going to take, and I'm going to space them out, basically, you know, taper them. And I did that within the next month or two until I, I ran out, and that was it. And I didn't, I didn't have any negative reaction. I didn't have any of the things that happened the previous time when I had accidentally taken myself off of all my medications. I didn't have any of that stuff happen to me. I didn't have an emotional breakdown and cry for a week. I didn't stop taking care of myself. I didn't have a problem with my sleep. I didn't sweat profusely for again, another week. It was like a regular, regular schmegular day, a regular schmegular life. Nothing, I noticed nothing when I came off of those medications the second time around. And I really think it's because I was in a much better place psychologically, emotionally, mentally, physically, and also, I, you know, as, as much as you may have heard me talk about how I had to quit teaching ballet because I, you know, whatever reason, at the time, it served a great purpose to me. It gave me something to look forward to, to be excited about. I loved my job in the beginning. It saved me. It gave me a routine. It was physical exercise. It was social interaction. It was engaging for my mind. So, you know, I and plus I really think I was living in Claremont, which I have a podcast episode called Claremont, California. And I really believe it's a healing, it's a healing place, that city. Um, you know, and I, you know, I it was a great time. It was a perfect cumulation of things. Now I can't say, you know, you can do the same thing because I don't know your situation. You know, if you were to do the same thing, you might have a really bad experience like I did previously. So it's like, yes, this is my story and it worked out great, but it's like, that doesn't mean it's gonna happen the same way for you. And I only, I'm only emphasizing that because things, things can go really bad for you, you know? Um, but on the other hand, you know, if you do relate to that situation, like if you are in a good place in your life, if you do have other support, 
you know, it might be a good time to come off. I mean, honestly, I really feel like it's a good time to come off. <laughs> I mean, you've heard, you know how I feel about medication. I don't support it. I really don't support it. But, you know, you really need support. You really need to be in a good place. <sighs> There's a lot of things to it. So that's my story. Um, you know, if I think people want specifics, like how did you do it exactly? And that's not, you know, just because I tell you how I do it exactly, that doesn't mean you need to do it that way. You know, like I, I kind of told you generally, I just spaced out, you know, the remaining pills. Um, and honestly, I, I can't really remember exactly how, but I just know that, like, I just basically saw how many I had left. And I think I probably took like one pill every other day for maybe a week. And then after that, I think I, I think that's just what I did. I think honestly, that's what I did until I ran out. And it's like I had different, you know, different pills. So it's like, you know, I ran out of a certain pill first. So basically I ended this pill before I ended the others. You know, it's just, I can't really give you specifics, you know, because that happened a long time ago. And also I was on drugs. When you're on drugs, you don't think clearly. You don't remember things very clear. Um... But yeah, that's, that's my story. And I did it without a doctor. When all my other doctors said hell to the no, I said hell to the yes. I said, fuck you, bitches. You don't know shit. And even me, I didn't know what I was doing. And I, you know, I, you know I'm, still, I'm still not a fucking doctor. I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not a scientist. I'm not a therapist. But I'm doing things a different way and I'm much better off than the people who are following their doctor's orders who are in therapy I know people that were in group therapy with me that still see a therapist that still see a psychiatrist and they're still struggling and I'm not saying that to be like well look how bad they are or like look how good I am it's just like look at that system if the system worked and they kept on it and they're still doing not well and I left the system and I'm doing much better and I'm helping other people improve their quality of life I mean it's just like common common sense which way is better it doesn't take it doesn't take a scientist to figure that out. You just ask anyone. What, who's, who was in the same situation? Who took this path? Who took that path? And where are they now? Very simple. So, yes, I hope you guys enjoyed this story. I hope that you are able to 
find a way to come off of medication in a safe way. And I hope that it gives you hope that you can live without drugs. You can live without a therapist. You can live, not only live, thrive. And it's not saying that you'll never be sad again and you'll never have situations come up again, but you're free. You're not dependent upon a substance. You're not dependent upon a person. You're free. You can depend on yourself. You know what you need to do to be okay and to live your best life, to be happy, to be free. I am the Freedom Fairy. Thank you for listening. Peace. podcast is made possible in part by the patrons over on patreon.com slash the underscore freedom underscore fairy where you can also sign up and become a supporter video versions of macro magic with michelle podcast are available for you to view on youtube on my youtube channel the freedom fairy you can follow me on TikTok and Instagram at the underscore freedom underscore fairy. You can also join my Facebook group, Sacred Space for Sensitive Women. If you like what I have to share, please rate five stars and subscribe to this podcast. Think differently and live peacefully. Hey, I wanted to give you a heads up. In 2022, I'm going to be starting a new series on my podcast called Peace Talks. And in this series, I am going to be addressing some difficult situations that you, the listeners, send in. So the whole point of this series is to help people see where they can make peace within difficult situations, difficult relationships, differences of opinion, differences between two people, how instead we can change the energy from being tense to being peaceful and being more loving and more receptive. So if you have a difficult situation in your life where you would like to make more peace between you and somebody else, you and a group of people, because you think differently, because you come from different backgrounds, send in your situations and your questions about how to make it more peaceful to the email address macromagicwithmichelle at gmail.com. And in an upcoming episode, I or my guests and I will be addressing your situation and help you to make more peace.